awesome. This is an amazing uh, revelation. How many have heard of uh, uh, John and Paula Sanford, Elijah House training? Yeah. I was really blessed because my parents went through that training. Uh, my mom actually got a certificate. And so I was blessed to learn about this stuff. And and, you know, in all honesty, uh, when we were kind of determining what uh, messages to preach on uh, this day, I was excited. I really felt, uh, you know, this particular message that the Lord wanted me to speak on. And I was grateful because it's a good thing to revisit. So even if we've learned this before, I was so thankful to be able to prepare for this message uh, for my own sake, you know, and so for those of you who haven't heard this message, I'm excited that you're going to hear it for the first time, but those of you who've heard it before, uh, uh, you know, just this is a good reminder. It is. So if, for those of you who don't know, and for those of you who do, here's, here's uh, um, from Hebrews chapter 12, 14, and 15, okay? So I mentioned John and Paula Sanford. They are really given this revelation on this and uh, amazing inner healing ministry. If you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend. If you want more to go deeper in this, in this and other teachings that the Lord really downloaded to them, jo- uh, uh, John Sanford was really a prophet and, and had really amazing revelation and inner healing. And really, they're forerunners. They really were forerunners in the inner healing movement. And we thank God uh, for them because they, they impacted so many people, including John and Carol Arnett, and then that went around the world. And so we thank God for them. And so anyway, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, this is a key verse for this teaching. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no, no one falls short of the grace of God. Isn't that intense? No, see to it you don't fall short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So this is alarming. Anne-Marie was mentioning this, that we can actually defile others if we hold bitterness and resentment. And I thought that was a, a great revelation, Anne-Marie, with the family, how your unforgiveness can impact your family. This is exactly what this is saying. If you hold bitterness and resentment in your life, you have the potential to defile many. And I'm actually going to tell you how that works. It's uh, quite interesting. Now, I want to give you a, a distinction here. There's bitter root judgments and there's bitter root expectancies. Now, they, oft, they work together, but I want to show you what the difference is off the bat. So bitter root expectancies, another name for all intents and purposes is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, so this is a habitual way of viewing how things will go for us. They act like that self-fulfilling prophecy in which we unconsciously push people to act how we expect them to act. Now, the interesting thing about this is that this is a psychological phenomenon. This is a fact, okay? Um, Some of you might not know this, but uh, before I was a pastor here, I was a professor of psychology, and so I actually taught on this stuff. And so what was interesting for me is when I started learning about bitter root judgments and expectancies, I was like, yeah, this is true. There's a lot of experimental evidence on this. Okay, now, for example, some of you may have, this is a classic study, Really interesting. This is done in the 60s, I believe, maybe the 70s. There was these researchers, and they went to a, a, a grade school classroom, okay, different classrooms in elementary school. I think it was grade two. It was young children. And they gave all the children IQ tests, and they went to the teacher, and this is totally random, okay? The teacher didn't know this. The teacher thought that this was real, 
But they just randomly selected kids, and they went to the teacher and said, look out, watch out for these particular kids, because they have a lot of potential. They're going to be late spurters, and they're going to do really well in life and in school according to their tests. Totally random. They wanted to see if the teacher had that expectation of the students, whether it would affect the students' grades, and sure enough, those students who were randomly chosen... And the, and the person was like, hey, these people are going to do well. Their grades boosted because of the expectation that the teacher had of them. Does that make sense? Another experiment, which I think is kind of interesting, there's a well-known stereotype that attractive people, physically attractive people, have a whole bunch of positive traits associated with their personality. Like they're more socially warm, they're more friendly, outgoing, Right? We probably know that stereotype. So what they wanted to see is whether our expectations of somebody else based on that stereotype would actually influence how they respond to us. So they had these male participants. They were just young men, early 20s, on a phone conversation with a woman who they've never met. Now, little did they know, they were given a picture of the woman, supposedly, this is a cover story, And the woman was either attractive or unattractive. What they wanted to see is whether the male would elicit the stereotype that he expects of her based on whether she's attractive or not. Does that make sense? So what they did is they actually, so the woman didn't know what the guy looked like. The guy thought it was a woman who's either attractive or unattractive. And they found when they had other people code the conversation that sure enough, when the male thought the woman was Attractive, she responded more friendly, more sociable, just like the stereotype. If the male thought she was unattractive, the exact opposite. She was cold, unfriendly. So just as a matter of expecting something from somebody elicits that from them. It's a really interesting thing. And that's exactly what this is. The bitter root expectations is a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we expect something, we elicit that. And then it fulfills the prophecy we have. So some examples might be like women are always, will always be controlling. Uh, men can't be dependent on. No one will ever listen to me. Fill in the blanks. So I just have here um, an example. This is just a made-up example of what the, how this might play out, okay? So imagine a young girl grows up with a father who doesn't pay any attention to her, okay? Father is cold and aloof. So she can never draw his attention to herself, and she doesn't get any affection, okay, as a young child. So what happens then is she develops this expectancy that the man of her life will treat her that way. So she might have this expectancy, that's how all men treat women, okay? Now, the problem is when she gets married, she goes into that marriage with this expectation, Okay, so, so she gets married. Now, the, the thing is, this is often unconscious. This is something we're not actually typically aware of, that we even have these expectations. Sometimes we are, but not always. So she, the, the weird thing is we broadcast these expectancies even though we don't realize it. So like a radio broadcast, she's broadcasting these expectancies to her husband. Uh, here's some examples. You're going to treat me that way. You're going to neglect me. You're, gonna give me, you're not going to give me any affection. Okay, that's her expectations. Now, when her husband does show her affection, she doesn't believe it, and she doesn't receive it, okay, because it violates her expectancies. 
Okay, so even if he's trying so hard, hey, I'm loving on you and that sort of thing, she doesn't receive it. She's like, no, men don't show me affection. It's impossible. Now, the problem is this. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So this bitter root expectancy is built into her to broadcast that to her husband until he finally obeys it. Okay, that's the tragedy of this. And that's how these defile many people. Our ungodly expectancies actually defile others and cause them to act in a negative way to fulfill that. And so that's why this teaching is so important that we examine ourselves so that if we have any of those ungodly expectancies, that we cut that off in our own lives so that we don't elicit that negative behavior from others. Okay, so that's the psychological aspect of it. Now I want to talk about judgments, because this adds a whole other dimension. So bitter root judgments, what's the difference? Judgments tend to operate on a spiritual level, while expectancies operate at a psychological level. That's what I was just talking about. In other words, the bitter root expectancy doesn't have the same power that a bitter root judgment does. Because as soon as we start talking about judgment spiritual laws come into play that make it even more powerful, okay? So, I just want to say this. God's laws are absolute, okay? They're just like physical laws, like gravity. They're going to happen whether you want them to or not. So if I drop this bottle, what would happen? We know it'd fall to the ground because of gravity, right? Now, say this bottle is like, I don't want to fall to the ground, is it going to fall to the ground? Yeah, because gravity, whether it wants to or not, it's going to fall. What if it fell to the ground and then the water burst out? Does that mean God's mad at it? No. It's just a physical law. It's reaping the repercussions of you know, gravity having its effect on it. So you're not going to influence the laws of God. They're going to influence you. Just like there's physical laws in the natural, so is there spiritual laws that if we violate them or we succumb to them, we're going to reap either good or evil. So these are the three laws that come into play when, we're started, when we operate in judgment, okay? So the first one is the law of judgment, and I'm going to talk about this in more detail. This is Matthew 7, 1 and 2. The second one is the law of sowing and reaping. That's Galatians 6, 7. And then the law of honor. As Deuteronomy 5, 16, and it's reiterated in Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 in the New Testament. So when I'm talking about laws, I want to make this clear. I'm not talking about the law of Moses, okay? I'm not talking about the law of sin and death, okay? We're talking about principles of life, spiritual laws that... Um, operate in the new and the old covenant, okay? It's not, I'm not talking about the law of Moses. I just want to clarify, okay? We live in a legal universe and all of, all of life operates under principles like cause and effect. I already talked about gravity, okay? So that's what I'm talking about. So the first one that comes into play when you're talking about judgment uh, uh, is the law of judgment. So this is Matthew 7, 1 and 2. This is Jesus. Do not judge or you will be judged, that's the law. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll measure, be measured to you. Okay? So in, any, in the areas where you judged anybody else, you're going to be judged in those very areas. That's the scary thing. So this is a big deal. That we don't judge people in negative ways because the problem is it's going to come back to you. 
It's just like the law of physics. You guys, most of us have taken basic physics in high school, if you remember this. For every action, there must be an equal and opposite reaction. That's the same thing with the law of judgment. So if you throw a ball against a wall, it's going to come back to you, right? It's, now, that's the physical law. It's the same law in the spiritual realm. We're talking about spiritual laws now. It's the same thing. Okay, so in this, it's the same with moral life. You judge others, going to come back to you. That's what it's saying. Okay, so there's one law in life. We're talking spiritual, natural now. You set in motion that which you must reap. And that's the second law. The law of sowing and reaping. So this is from Galatians 6 and nine, to 9. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh... From the flesh will reap destruction. That's really intense, isn't it? Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now this is, I wanted to include this scripture here, because it works in the positive too. We're focusing on the negative so we can get broken free from the negative repercussions, but it works in the positive as well. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. You sow to please the Spirit, you're going to get that harvest. Just don't grow weary. Unfortunately, it works in the opposite as well, okay? So this goes to the law of increase or multiplication. You reap a harvest, not just the seed you sowed. It increases. That's what's intense about this. You judge people, it's going to come back to you even more than you did. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. So just a little more on the law of judgment here. At some point in our lives... We've all made wrong or ungodly judgments, okay, to others for their negative words, actions, or behaviors. Now, the thing that's tricky about this is often these things we don't even remember, and they could have occurred when we were kids, when we were really young. There's stories of people making judgments when they're in the womb of their mom. I don't have time to go into this, but really intense stuff. So, you know, this is why it's important that we examine ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if we've made any of these ungodly judgments so that we can deal with them. We're going to talk about how to do that in a minute or a few minutes. Because, okay, and I already said that. So because the, that judgment and expectancy has become a practice in the old nature, so often we've made these judgments before we are even born again. Even though you are born again, you, they could still be operating until that judgment and expectancy is put to death on the cross. Does that make sense? Sometimes there's repercussions even after you're born again. Say, say you smoked um, growing up before you're born again, right? You might still have negative health consequences by smoking even though you're born again. That's what I'm saying. There can these, still be these negative repercussions of judgments we've made when we were young and they have to, even though, of course, the blood of Jesus takes care of all that, if it's in us to expect these things, psychologically, we have to deal with them and break them off so we no longer do that. Um, now, this is another interesting uh, scripture from Romans, talking about judgment now. Um, Romans 2.1, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. The law is if you judge someone else for doing it, it causes you to do it. Okay, so this is kind of wild. I'm going to ask you guys something. How many of you, and most of us could probably remember something, 
at some point in your life said, I'm never going to be or do what my mother or father have done, did. Uh, probably all of us. Now, let me ask you this, okay? How many of you find yourself doing the very thing you said you wouldn't do? Yeah, right? Now, the question is, why does that happen? These principles I'm talking about, the one I just mentioned, Romans 2.1, why when you judge your mother or father, you dishonor them in that area, you judge them, which resulted in yourself doing the same thing. It's these laws that are set in motion, okay? So you either do, now this is the thing, you either do exactly the same thing or something with the same root, now, I, was, I, was, uh, uh, I wanted to refresh my memory on some of these teachings, so I was watching old Sanford videos, and they said these four scriptures, these four principles, they base all of their counseling off of. Because if there's any problem, the area in your life, it's because of these things. It's because you've either dishonored your parents in this area, or you've judged somebody in this area, and if you can get at the root of those, your life goes well with you. Now that goes, so, th so that's the key point. In any area where you don't want to be like your parents, there's a good chance you've judged them in that area. Okay, so when I asked you, is there ever something that happened and you're like, yeah, I said that, there's a good chance because you said that, that you judged them and you need to take care of that and repent of it. Otherwise, you'll continue reaping the negative repercussions of it. Okay? So... That gets me to the last law I want to talk about, the law of honor. So this is Deuteronomy 5.16. This is one of the Ten Commandments. But just for those of you who like Old Covenant, I'm not going to believe that. It's also restated in the New Covenant. So we have no, no way around it. So it's, it's also Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. He reiterates it. So honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That it may go well with you. Okay, so what does that mean? In any area where a child honors, loves, cherishes, thinks well of, and obeys their parents, in that area, life is going to go well for you. On the flip side, any area where a child doesn't honor the father and the mother, dishonors by disobedience, by hatred, by resentment, by bitterness, by rebellion, even if it's hidden in your heart and not acted out, in that area, life will not go well with you. That's a key. So if there's an area where it consistently doesn't go right, if there's reoccurring negative patterns, there's a good chance you've dishonored your parents in that area. And that gives you a clue to ask the Holy Spirit for revelation and what that's all about. Often it's rooted in that. Okay, so when we're talking about honor, judgment and honor goes hand in hand because you judge your parents negatively, you're dishonoring them. Does that make sense? And so in that area where you've judged them, not going to go well for you. All right, so this is kind of a summary, but also uh, kind of, I suppose, news. Where do bitter roots come from? Are sinful reactions to hurts? or the many negative situations we experienced growing up, whereby we allowed bitterness, resentment, negative attitudes, etc., to take a foothold in our hearts. That's where bitter roots come from. So making condemning judgments of people, especially authority figures like parents, teachers, relatives, etc., often is where they come from. 
our refusal or inability to forgive someone. So thank God that we had this amazing teaching by Anne-Marie because you see how this is totally related. Now, what I'm going to go talk about, oh, I should say this. This is important. Note that bitter roots are not the hurtful or terrible things that happen to us, nor are they the sins of those who've wronged us. They are our sinful reactions to those people, right? So it's not like we're being treated unfair by, oh, you know, so-and-so did this, and now I'm reaping the negative stuff. No, it's because you judge them for doing that, and you're, that's the consequences you're reaping. It's your own sinful reaction. So it's important that the onus is on you because that's the only way you're going to get free from this, Okay. Now, I also want to remind you that it isn't God being mad at you. Remember I, I, the bottle that fell and broke open? Was God mad at it? No. It was just obeying gravity. In the same way, we sow judgment, we reap judgment. And that is just the consequences of us, uh, those spiritual laws in motion. So it's not necessarily that God's mad at you. It's just, hey, you judge somebody, now you're reaping the repercussions of it. Okay, so like I said earlier, I want to remind you too, this also works in the good. There's scriptures that say we reap a hundredfold if we sow good, like Luke 8.8, 8, for instance. So we can reap a harvest of good on the other hand as well. So this isn't all bad. I'm just saying, hey, we got to take care of the bad stuff because we don't want our lives to go in that direction any longer. So an important point, and I already made this, but I want to restate it, is that the law of judgment applies not only to our conscious actions which we perform outwardly, but also to what is lodged in our heart, repressed, unknown, or unexpressed. So that's why, and I said this, you need the revelation of the Holy Spirit to show you so that you can get free of these things you're not even aware of necessarily. Um, yeah, and I already mentioned how this can defile others. That's the tragedy. Really, like, you know, our negative judgments can cause others to do bad things. I'll give you a story, and, and I'm not going to remember the exact details, unfortunately, but I, this just uh, blew my mind, and it still does, and forgive me if the details aren't completely accurate, but John Sanford had this story of this young girl who, if I remember right, her father became an alcoholic, quit his job, and then I think he forced his, her mother to work or something, and became really angry, something like that. She grows up, marries a guy. After six months of marriage, he becomes an alcoholic, quits his job, starts you know, yelling at her and making her work. They eventually get a divorce. Marries a different guy. What do you think happens? Becomes an alcoholic, quits his job, right? And then starts expecting her to work, yelling at her or whatever. Okay, now get this. Marries a third guy. This time she's wise. I'm going to marry a Christian. This guy's never even touched alcohol in his life. What do you think happens? Yeah, the exact same thing. Becomes an alcoholic, quits his job. So she goes to John Sanford and tells him this. And then realized that's what was happening. Her negative judgments towards her father from him doing that where it's actually defiling others and causing them to do that same thing. It's the power behind it because there's spiritual laws that she's reaping. And it's actually defiling others and making them become alcoholics and stuff. It's crazy stuff. And that's why it's important and good to be aware of these principles so that we can take care of them in our own lives. Like I said, if we've learned this before, it's good to, as a refresher, right? All right. Um, so what should we do in light of all this? 
First of all, I want to say this. You got a problem, start with you. Our natural tendency, like Adam, right? This woman you gave me. <laughs> I mean, right? And then we all probably do that. So it, Adam gets it tough. But um, anyway, look at you because it can actually be you who's causing that person to do the negative thing. It could be your expectancies, your judgments, right? And so it's good to examine your own uh, heart. Um, and then I have this down here. For the sake of time, I won't read it. But notice the verse right after it says, judgment lest you be judged. It says, why are you looking at the speck in your brother's eye when you got a plank in your own eye? First take the plank out of your own eye, then you can, right? And that's what it's saying. So, so often we look at others like, hey, look at what you're doing. It's like, wait a minute, but look what you're doing. And, it, you know, take care of that first, and then maybe you can, you can say something about the other person. Now, what I love is this saying, if you have the fruit, you got the root. Okay, so if you see negative fruit in your life, especially reoccurring negative patterns, chances are there's a root there. We're talking about bitter roots now. Okay, so here's just a couple scriptures for you. Like I said, because of time, I won't go through all of them, but Matthew 7, 16 to 20, Jesus is saying, by your fruit, you recognize people. Okay, so good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. And, you, and it says, but by your fruit, you recognize them. So if you got bad fruit, there's a bad root. If you got good fruit, there's a good root. And so bad fruit is an indication that there's a root there that needs to be taken care of. And, and something similar is reiterated in Matthew 12, to 35. He says basically the same thing, that a tree is recognized by its fruit. The interesting thing is he says your words are the fruit. They're the indication of what's in your heart, right? He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So you say something, there's a good chance that that's actually what's in your heart, so your words actually give you an indication of what you need to deal with in your own life. How many of you say things sometimes, especially in an argument or whatever, that you're like, I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, um, there there's, might be something there you need to deal with, right? And so anyway, that, that's just something good to remember. You got the fruit, you got the root. Now, good news, good news. Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21, there's hope, <laughs> God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in other words, Jesus in our place, goes in our place rather, and reaps for us the consequences of sowing to the flesh. In other words, the principles, the laws of sowing and reaping, for instance, you sow, you're going to reap a harvest of negative destruction if you sow to the flesh. Jesus takes that for us if we bring it to him, if we sever it by the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ comes between us and the reaping of destruction that's due us for the negative uh, uh, sin that we participated in, okay? He takes it on the cross for us. I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. Matthew five seventeen. do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So in other words, Jesus doesn't abolish these laws. He was talking about the law of Moses, but I'm talking about these spiritual laws as well. They still work, sowing and reaping. But he comes to fulfill them on our behalf. If we take the negative sin we've done, he'll fulfill them, right? The, the, because he died on the cross for our sins. The scripture I just gave you. So, keys to overcoming bitter roots. I'm trying to speed through this. For those of you who know me, I usually talk for a lot longer than this. Okay. <laughs> First one's recognition. 
Seeing the sinful patterns and how they affect one's life in the present. Okay, so reoccurring patterns is possible signs of bitter roots. I already mentioned this, but I'm going to give you some examples. Have you ever noticed reoccurring patterns in your own life or someone else's life? We're talking about ourselves now, so in your own life. Some extreme cases might be alcoholism running in the family, or a woman with a violent father marries a sweet man who after three years beats her. I gave you the example of the alcoholic, right? Less extreme cases... You keep getting a boss who puts you down. How many of you, like, you go to it, no matter where you go, you get the same boss who does the same things. Or f- you're prone to car accidents, like you've had four in the last two years. Or your friends are always controlling, just like your mother, right, or whatever. You see these negative reoccurring patterns, good chance you have a bitter root judgment expectancy that needs to be taken care of. Now, the good news is, I already said that they can be unconscious, or you might not be aware of them, but the nice thing is you don't always, you don't really actually have to dig to find, okay? You don't really have to dig in order to find long, lost, forgotten judgments, because they show up clearly when we're aware of the possibility of such things. Like I just said, if there's this obvious reoccurring negative thing in your life, that's just like a good sign there's something you need to deal with in your own heart. That's what I'm saying, Okay. So, uh, words you say, negative reoccurring patterns. The Holy Spirit's faithful to show you even through everyday situations and relationships. So the keys here to getting free is repentance and confession, like basic Christian principles, right? Christianity 101. Repentance means choosing change, determining to stop patterns by bringing judgments and expectations to death on the cross and prayer. Confession... So the first is recognition, repentance, confession is confessing your own sins, right? That's pretty clear, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Notice the healings connected to that. Talking about inner healing, right? So we confess to others, that is actually a key to our own healing. Forgiveness. Anne-Marie talked about this, but it's important. It's an important step in this. First of all, forgiving those who contributed to you making judgments, okay? So the important thing is being specific. For example, Lord, I forgive my dad for dot, dot, dot. Or if it's personally dad, I forgive you for what you did to me. Also, for asking forgiveness for the bitter root judgments and any ungodly response to them. So like Anne-Marie was saying, for your own part, you need to ask for forgiveness. So, Lord, forgive me for judging, resenting, and hating my dad. Uh, forgive me for perpetuating these attitudes in my personal relationships by bitter root judgments and expectancy. Because, like I said earlier, we can defile others and cause them to respond in negative ways because of this stuff that's in our hearts. So we need to ask for forgiveness for doing that, for defiling others. Now, Trisha mentioned this earlier, and this is cool because I had this independently of her If you're praying for someone, say you're counseling someone or whatever, it's okay and scriptural to pronounce forgiveness, and that's a powerful thing. So once they've confessed it, we talked about how there's healing, confessing to someone, it's important and proper to say, I forgive you. On behalf of the body of Christ or whatever, I forgive you, you are forgiven. And that's John 20, 23. Okay. Almost done. The prayer of death on the cross. This sounds intense, (laughs) but it's important, and I already alluded to this earlier. So we talked about forgiveness, critical step to getting set free, but that's not 
the end, when we're, talk, we're talking about bitter root judgments and expectancies, that's not the final step. You actually have to take care of the structures behind them. Okay, so that's an important step, but you have to go further to actually put those things to death in your life so that they no longer occur. Okay, so, in it, uh, yeah, you have to already said this, but you have to break down the structures of judgments and expectancies, habits, attitudes, and reflexes by taking them to the cross of Christ. Like I said, these reoccurring patterns, just like if you were smoking, you get born again, you keep smoking until you quit. Until you take care of them, sometimes they're going to keep reoccurring in your life. So you have to take care of them by putting them to death on the cross. Okay, so the key here is ask the Lord to bring to death on the cross the old expectancy and give you a new expectancy. So if your old expectancy was like, hey, I expect men to treat me this way to, or to be cold and aloof, the new expectancy is I expect men to treat me positively and with lots of affection right? So here's just a couple examples. Lord, bring this practice to death on the cross. I reckon it as dead on the cross. Give me a new heart. Like David prayed in Psalm 51, create in me a new heart, O God, right? So give me a new heart that, that elicits positive behavior from others in place of the negative ones. And last but not least, I realize this is fast, but prayer of resurrection in life. This is important. It's not enough to put things to death on the cross, right? So reckon it dead. You have to pray prayers of resurrection and life in place of those negative patterns and expectancies to replace them, okay? So the Romans 6.11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I already kind of mentioned this, but Lord, give this person a new heart that can bring the best out of other people, is a prayer you could pray. Lord, reverse the old pattern and build a new way. Lord, restore dot, dot, dot in my life, okay? So these are just some examples for you um, that I wanted to give in order so that you know if you start seeing these negative patterns in your life, how to actually deal with them, okay? So now I'm going to apply what I just taught you. I know it was fast. It's like a fire hydrant. To give us an opportunity to examine our own hearts and to get set free if the Lord reveals any of these things in our own lives, okay? So, first what I want us to do, if you just set your hearts towards the Lord, is, and we're, we'll just do this corporately, okay, so, uh, individually. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you if you've made any judgments or expectancies, Okay, so like I said, look at those areas of your life where it just hasn't gone very well for you. Maybe it's relationships, finances, fulfilling dreams, etc. Look for the patterns and see how they are affecting your life and those of others around you. It might be ungodly judgment or bitter root expectancy. Okay, so just ask the Holy Spirit um, if he'll reveal to you or if you have any clues from just negative patterns in your life. I'll just give you a minute to... Just another few seconds. Now I... Uh, 
the next slide, I have just a summary of the keys to getting breakthrough in this area. Um, if you guys want the slides of this, feel free to email ottawa at catchthefire.com, and I'd be happy to email you these slides to review, because I know that was fast, and I think this is important. And just so you know, this is like basically straight from John Sanford, so I won't take credit for, for this. Um, so... These are the keys. Confess and repent of having made them. Forgive those who contributed to, uh, to your making the judgments. Ask forgiveness for the bitter root judgments and any godly responses to them. Break the power of the enemy to hold that root in place and use it to harm and harass. Pray prayers of death to demolish the structures of judgment and expectancy by taking them to the cross. And then pray prayers of resurrection to reverse the old patterns and bring new godly patterns. So what I'm going to get you to do, for those of you who feel like you've, that the Lord revealed one or even more people to you, uh, the next slide, I actually, uh, like I said, my mom did this training and I actually got this prayer right from Sanford's manual. <laughs> so what I want you to do personally, you'll see there's fill in the blanks. And this is a prayer that you can pray personally, and I'll give you the opportunity to do that over the people or person that you need to forgive in these areas, okay? So that's where you've, I've recognized I've judged for, okay? So if you want, we'll take a minute or two for you to just pray this. You don't have to pray it out loud. If you want to just in your heart pray this and forgive and release. And then, and then after a couple minutes, I'm going to pray a prayer over you, okay, to break these. So just feel free to take a minute or two and, and pray this as you see fit. So I'm going to leave this slide up here. Um, if you're not done and we're going to have a break soon, you can feel free to just stay here if you feel like there's multiple people or whatever. I'll leave this up. But before we do, I wanted to pray. Remember I talked about John 20, 23, releasing a, a prayer of forgiveness to you, okay? Ah, so I'm just going to do that right now for those of you who ah, have just prayed, forgiving, and asking God to break you free. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive you. And as a servant of Jesus Christ, I say to you that as you have forgiven those who wounded you, so also has the Lord forgiven you. Lord, I ask you to break each judgment that has been named and remove it from everybody's life who's here. I ask you to consume the reaping of all the years of sowing destruction. Replace it with your blessing. And I ask you to bring experiences into everyone's life as evidence these judgments are no longer operating. Strengthen all of our, us in our inner man to be able to practice new responses and continue to bring awareness of any other judgments in the perfection of your timing, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.